October 14th, Warren and Ryan here. We will have picks in the NFL and college football and talk about the upcoming football weekend, as we always do on Thursday. Lots to talk about in the NFL with the off-field drama going on with the sacrificial lamb that is uh, John Gruden. So we'll get into that uh, as well and some baseball playoffs to talk about as we've been talking about that. You can check us out, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the iHeart section under the podcast the yaha radio app under the podcast section ryan how's it going out there it's going we're riding you know getting ready for a good weekend a little rainy outside but uh we're we're uh ready to roll yes looking at the slate at least on saturday this is the weekend where you could have plans and you're really not going to probably miss a lot i know i say that like last week looked like it was a little thing but you had like three or four big games this one looks even bleaker than the last week from an overall standpoint Hundred percent. Already like. was talking about like trying to make plans of like something like you know something to do whatever. Because I was like, there is really not a single game that I have to feel like I have to be sitting in front of the TV ready to watch. Yeah. So shout out to the Merido member guest this weekend on Saturday. They must have actually looked at the college football slate and we're like, you know what? We're gonna do uh, we're gonna do this game. We're gonna do this week for it. So uh, good good looking out on that. So I'll be there on uh, Saturday. Um, but, uh, yeah, what, uh, there was something, oh, so, okay. So we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and I thought, or last week, whatever, but it got cut. It got, uh, it, we had the Skype issue, but we talked about the NHL going on, uh, ES going back to ESPN. They're off NBC and TNT as well. And I said, I'm going to laugh when, uh, ESPN now acts like they, uh, they have the rights like they they iced out they they froze out the NHL from coverage for pretty much the last 16 years and now they have the rights and they're acting like oh my god hockey this is so amazing so amazing hockey's here we have the rights so good for the NHL and we have some early returns on and I don't know if you saw this but it was the highest opening night I think the NHL has had ratings wise in like the last 10 years they averaged this this sounds they averaged uh, 880,000 viewers between the doubleheader, the first game between the Lightning and Penguins got like 990,000 viewers, and then the Kraken game got a just under uh, 750,000. But already returns are high, and I do think it's funny. Did you see the six-minute like open thing they did on on the uh, their open for the pregame show? I think it was that about the uh, NHL on uh, ESPN Music. I did not know. Okay, so I'll have to send it to you. But so the NHL on ESPN Music, the that's the opening song. It's great, and so so they talked to the composer behind it and how he just like sat in a room and started thinking about it, and they got on the piano and started doing all this or whatever. And then and then then the video, in the video they're doing, they they were like, and then this great masterpiece went away for 17 years and it was locked away in like this and that. And I was just like watching it and it was a very well done thing when I was like, you have to be kidding me here on this. Like you lost the rights. You decided after the lockout, you did not want to do the NHL anymore. So that's why the music's gone. No one's blaming No one's no one. You're at fault for why the music went away or whatever. And then they're like, now it makes its valiant return or whatever. And I was like, I thought it was a good piece, but just the, over dramatics on the song and like ESPN just like, oh my god, that 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 irks me or whatever. But you'll have that's, to check it that's that's strange. Yeah, that's strange because ESPN really never blows anything out of proportion or <laughs> yeah. you know kind of makes things bigger deal than they actually are. So that's kind of really out of character for them. Yes, I know it is. It is. But uh, that was uh, so far so good. And then Gary Bettman, like Barry Melrose, I don't know if you saw the clip. He gave a jab to Kellerman on his show in the afternoon. He was like, oh, so now we're talking NHL or whatever. Hope glad that glad to see that exists now. And then Gary Bettman said the thing about he was at a conference or doing a, a promotion or I think a sports journal daily or sports business journal thing. And he was like, well, if ESPN like the same thing I said, if they freeze us out as well as they uh, as they uh, if they covered us as well as they froze us out or half as good of us, well, it's already going to be a success. So, um, I mean, everybody knows what's going on there. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. But early returns are good, I would say. Sean McDonough sounded good. I like the Ray. I can't remember what the guy's last name is, but he was enjoyable. I watched some of the game on uh, 
Tuesday night. So he's, they, they sounded like a good, uh, a good pairing there. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's underway and the stars get underway, uh, tonight. I can guarantee no stars players will be golfing this afternoon before the game. Um, all right. Do you want to get into the NFL? Yeah. The, gr- the Grudes, as my buddy Mason from college would call them because he loved Gruden, John Gruden. He is out. He said loved with, with the past tense, no longer. Uh, yes, he's as his words were, I don't know how Gruden makes it out of this. And I said, dude, he just resigned. He goes, wow, that was fast. Yes, it was very fast. Um, so he had the emails uh, in the that got leaked, not by the, someone from the NFL leaked them, though, because these have not been made public to other people. So someone there's a lot of. There's a lot of stuff here. There's multiple layers to this onion um, that go on with the John Gruden thing. But first, it started off with the Wall Street Journal saying what he said about Demora Smith. Then the New York Times comes out Monday night at like seven o'clock Central, eight Eastern, and has more on uh, more emails from Gruden, pretty much forcing Mark Davis's hand to fire him or resign him or have him resign. And he's out for his emails where he went after Goodell, went after uh, female referees, went after Eric Reed, went after just, I mean, every, everybody, everybody went after it was in emails, which is obvi- weird that he's using email to talk about this stuff, but it is what it is. And he is, uh, he is out. Do you want to know my conspiracy theory on this? Yeah, Absolutely. So my conspiracy theory is that Mark Davis. So what Gruden's contract was what was it ten years a hundred million ten yeah. million a year? Yep. Right. Yep. yep. So this is year four, I think, of Gruden. So he's got six years left at sixty million. I think that Mark Davis was growing tired of the Gruden Act, and all the owners in the NFL know about these emails. Like they haven't gotten out from the Washington investigation for a reason because they're very very bad. So Mark Davis knew about these and he was like, I'm not firing Gruden because I then have to pay his full six years, 60 million. I ain't doing that. I'm a, I'm a cheap bastard. So let's leak a couple emails. Someone leak a couple emails. Now this early, did he want him fired? I don't know, but he's like, all right, leak the emails. And then I won't be, I'll, he'll have to resign and I, or I could fire him with cause and I don't have to pay him. That is my, tinfoil conspiracy on this yeah i don't know i don't think i agree with it totally um or i'm on the same the same wavelength because by all accounts mark davis is like john gruden's biggest fan and uh so i i don't know if it was him releasing excuse me releasing it i'm more so of the thought process and probably obviously that Snyder and Bruce Allen kind of have something to do with it. I think Goodell might be tied up in it a little bit. And so when you release the ones that are disparaging him, then it's like, oh man, he was going after the after the commissioner, calling him all these different words, this and that, all calling him all these different names. So I think I think uh it has something to do with Snyder and and Bruce Allen being in bed with Goodell of some sort of way. Um, and uh, and that's how it ended up leaking because those those two guys specifically, Snyder and Bruce Allen, they were the ones that were under. Well, I mean, it goes back to it all leads back to Washington because they were under investigation with the feds because their trainer was writing prescriptions for people he didn't need to. And then so the his emails got brought up. And so then there the, that email tracked to Bruce Allen and Daniel Snyder and those got tracked back to John Gruden. So they've kind of escaped by this without any issue whatsoever uh you know there was brief mention and i i had still haven't seen if this has been confirmed or not if this is just a twitter thing that the whole thing with like the new cheerleaders uh pictures of that were being sent back and forth but i haven't seen that confirmed by like a, a credible news source so i don't know if that's cr- no that was in not. the new york times article was it okay yeah okay so then there's you know so obviously you add that layer to it and um so it's just messy all the way around but but as far as what you're thinking as far as mark davis now, I think when they had their little meeting uh, and Mark Davis said, hey, look, you got to resign. There's zero way I can fire you, even though even if it is with cause, I can't fire you. I need you to resign. So that's uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if they came to a little agreement monetarily of like, hey, you know, I, I get it here. You know, here, I'll break you off a little bit, but but you got to leave. I will say I don't think Adele really is behind like that much of the Gruden emails being leaked or whatever, because look. You know how many people in the league have called Goodell bad stuff? 
players, coaches, owners, other owners. I don't think he really cares as long as the check clears. So why does he care what John Gruden has to say when John Gruden was pretty much the voice, was one of the main voices of football, and he was saying those things behind him. Like, I don't think really Goodell is behind that. Now Goodell and the owners are working overtime on protecting Dan Snyder, and I think the whole big thing of, like, oh, Dan Snyder having his wife take over for, like, day-to-day operations, that's like, hey, you say you're going to step back from day-to-day operations, have your wife come in here, we will we will not release these emails, then, then uh, or, or we'll do whatever we can to not release the emails. That's the whole NFL thing. And the whole, the whole bigger issue, too, is look at all these people – like, look at who gets punished in the NFL when it look at who gets punished when it comes to controversies or things like that in the NFL. Colin Kaepernick was considered too toxic when he was kneeling for the when he was kneeling during the anthem. So no one signed him. OK, John Gruden then says uh, Eric Reed should be fired for kneeling during the anthem. OK, so so those two guys are on the list there. If you want to go look at the owners now, look at the selectives. Jerry Richardson had his whole fiasco in Carolina about bringing up some racist remarks and stuff like that. They axed him out of there. Robert Kraft goes to get a rub and tug in the morning before the AFC championship game, and that just blows by the wayside. Jimmy Haslam has an FBI probe going against Pilot Flying J, his company, and somehow he skates away unclean. Dan Snyder has just... Plenty of plenty of just workplace, just sexual harassment, just running around, running rampant around there and under his franchise. And right now they're trying to cover him up. Just the selectiveness. Oh, and throw Jerry Jones when he's got all those pictures coming out when he's got his pants around his ankles at a bar with a bunch of women in his face. Like that's not a really good look for the league. But look at the selectiveness that the NFL chooses to punish. Who are who? Who they punish? And now we got John Gruden taking, taking a fall. And look, John Gruden, he should he should probably be he should probably resign if he's got those feelings about and and the whole Michael Sam thing. He has a gay player on his team. I wonder what he feels about Carl Nassib behind his back. And Carl Nassib took a personal day yesterday. I mean, I could Carl Nassib might need to take a couple more personal days just to feel like he was getting betrayed potentially by John Gruden or what he he really thought that could really screw with your mental health. So look at all from the ownership level of guys that they protect when yes, on the, on the thing of on some of the grand scheme of things are less offenses than what others happen, but look who's taken the fall for all the other acts that the owners don't do. And that's just what I think is amazing when it comes to the owners of who, who they look to punish and who they just turned a blind eye. And obviously for Jerry and Robert Kraft, they're going to look to turn a blind eye because they're two of the most powerful owners in the league. But it's it's I'm amazed about that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's they, they call it the good old boys club for a reason. You know, everyone's got each other's back. If you're one of the ones sitting up in the box seats at the end of the day and the guys down on the field, whether they're playing on the sidelines or got the heads on the sidelines. They're all collateral, you know, as long as if, if they can go down first before any of the owners do, you know, then they absolutely will. So it doesn't surprise me. Um, everyone's held to a different standard, you know, albeit fair or not. Um, and uh, that's just kind of how it is. They're going to continue to look out for each other because then similar to what happened in the NBA with Donald Sterling, uh, you know, when he was forced to sell his team, remember Mark Cuban kind of spoke out and was like, Hey, what are we doing here? Like, you know, this is setting a precedent of now you can just remove owners and force them to sell teams for, you know, for different things. And I think the NFL wants to um, avoid that and, and set any kind of precedent where an owner gets removed because then, hey, then they're on the chopping block and they could, uh, you know, be be liable of doing the same. But, uh, you know, obviously keep your nose clean. You don't got to worry about that. Yeah, no, I know. But it's still interesting on how they even like letting when they let Jerry Richardson go. For he had he pay out, he had paid out payouts for uh, workplace misconduct and sexual harassment with also a use of a racial slur. But they're like, all right, we got to get him out. I just don't understand what what the allure of keeping Dan Snyder around really is doing for the NFL. Like, if you want that, no one around the league likes him, or maybe they do like him. I don't know. 
but it seems like he's always got tons of problems around him. And I don't understand why they just turn like, all right, you know what? We've had enough with you. They're out of there. He's got some, he's got something on craft or Jerry. Like I don't, Jerry probably loves him because he knows Washington's always going to be a disaster. So he goes, I want to keep him around. But like, what is the allure of keeping that guy around when, when these, when these emails are there and clearly in these 650,000 emails, there is going to be some very, very damning evidence in there that they're either, that multiple people are going to be fired, have already left, or it's going to result in a sale of the franchise. Yeah, no, I, it's uh, like I said, they're, they're all looking out for each other just so that, uh, you know, you don't got to worry about anything. Cause they're yeah, I get- like, cause here getting back, you know, getting away from the whole owners protecting each other, getting back to the Gruden thing. Look, as bad as the stuff he was saying, and as much as everyone wants to be up in arms about it, you go and look around the other 32 franchises, I guarantee you, you're going to find emails very, very similar from a lot of guys in his position or higher ups that were saying or felt the exact same way. So, you know, he's one being singled out, but he isn't the only one that was thinking and feeling this way, obviously, because he felt comfortable enough to send those emails in a work email setting. And it wasn't just, you know, guys talking over beers or whatever it was. So obviously that right there, if he didn't feel comfortable enough to put that stuff in a work email where there's, you know, trace of it, there's obviously plenty of other people that felt and thought the exact same way. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, no, I agree on that. And so, you know, when he went after the, so he was emailing Bruce Allen, this, when I was reading the article, this is what popped in my mind. And I wish if the emails get released, I would love to see if this was the case, but we've talked about before. So he was going after the female referee, Sarah Thomas. And we've talked about this before, but when the Browns played Washington, she had the, oh, Duke Johnson has the ball outside of the pile and they point to the fumbles going Washington's way. I. I want to know if that is when he was, if that was part of the uh, email, if Gruden was criticizing for, hey, because I think it was like her first year as a referee. Like, hey, look at this woman. Look at this. She, the the Browns guys got the ball. Look how lucky you were that you guys got the ball in this film. Like, I guarantee you if when he was going after the female ref that that play was brought up in the email somewhere. Always comes back to the Browns. Well, it comes back to the Browns in Washington, but why else would he go after a women ref? Well, other than just saying he doesn't want w- women in the NFL at all, yeah. which I would assume John Gruden doesn't want any woman to be associated with the NFL at all from a team, from a, a referee, a coaching standpoint, anything like that, because his idea of the NFL is like the 1960s, 70s version of like hard nose. This is a boys club. This is the all male mm-hmm. country clubs that are starting to go away. Like that's, that's what he wants. But yeah. if he's going after a female referee and it's her first year, I think that's something that he could go after. Not saying it's right, but uh, I would like to see the emails if that play was brought up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the Gruden stuff. And then look, I know we talked about him last week. He got cut off, but but my uh, boy Adam Schefter finds himself in the news again. Yep. And then... <laughs> And and I I do think it's pretty funny that a lot of people I will I I'm not gonna fully fully uh, uh, trash Schefter on this. I I do think calling Bruce Allen Mister Editor is a horrible look. That's like, where he went wrong. Like that's where he went wrong is calling Bruce Allen Mister Editor. And I also feel like him sending the whole story to him to read because then the whole thing is 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 Bruce Allen, even if the whole story going in could have been corrected, like Schefter probably talked to Bruce Allen about this, talked to Robert Kraft, talked to Jeff Saturday. He probably talked to five or six people about this story, and he could have had every single fact nailed to the wall like this is correct. But when he says, hey, Mr. Editor, can you go check this out? Can you go make sure things are right in this? Bruce Allen can take his stance for the owners, and and the NFL and say, well, this is right, but why don't you word it like this? And then it's just uh, a piece coming from the owners or the NFL's mindset. And that is that is where he goes wrong right there. So, look, him asking whatever if it's can you is this 
pretty much confirming a fact, fine. Like, look, he's chummy with all the guys in the NFL. Like, people, I think it's also surprising. People are like, wow, look at how he's talking to him. I guarantee you he's that with all 32 owners, a ton of GMs. Like, he's 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 a chummy guy with them. And I don't even think Adam Schefter's a bad guy. I think he's a good guy. He's a he's a good he's a he's a good man there. But where he went wrong was calling him Mr. Editor uh, on that. And it's funny. I did just it's funny. He did release a statement, but I do think it's also funny. This is brought up by uh, Gift Sports that says Adam Schefter released a statement through ESPN PR, but not his main account that has eight million followers and didn't even retweet it. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, no, that, that, I saw that as well. That was pretty funny because uh, that's the other thing, too. Somebody was saying, like, how many people truly read Adam Schefter articles? Probably not Nobody. a lot. I guarantee you not eight million. I guarantee you maybe not a million or one million. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, so it's, it's, it's funny that, you know, like I said, the, the way, where he went wrong was calling him Mr. Editor, but he's a hundred percent chummy with all these guys. That's why he gets all these leaks and all these news breaks and everything. It's not because he's works harder or is faster than anybody. It's because he's, you know, everyone wants to say he's in their pocket, but to, you know, some extent, yeah, he is, but you know, kind of like we were talking about the owners, he, he can kind of control the narrative about what the owners, you know, what's released about the owners or teams. And so if he continues to steer that narrative in a positive direction, he's going to continue to get those stories. Yeah. It's like Woj is in the pocket for owners. Chris Haynes is in the pocket for LeBron's camp and clutch sports. Like all their like shams is in the pocket for like all these guys have their guys that they're in the pocket for that. They want stuff to get out there. Like that's nothing. That is nothing new at all. And I will say though, so the so the the article is from 2011, and I will say I feel like in 2011 more people are, um, more people are going to read Adam Schefter back then than they are now, just because Twitter was a little bit less back in 2007 or 2011 than it was now. There were still a lot of people on that, but there were people still a lot of people going to ESPN.com to read stuff about the lockout. And he would say he would tweet out like article links and stuff like that. So I do think that back in 2011, more people were going to read uh, Adam Schefter. But yeah, no, this whole uh, this whole Dan Snyder Washington thing has a lot of tentacles. The whole Gruden thing has a lot of tentacles to it. Um, and there's a lot more people that are going to be uh, scared or sitting scared in their uh, offices, wondering when the other shoe is going to uh, drop. And then one other thing, too, look, shout out. Uh, I know he's a punching bag, but shout out Jeff Fisher for standing up for himself on the drafting of Michael Sam. So that was uh, that was good to see there. Yeah, no, I, I you know, I don't know if it was if it was really needed, but it was good that he went out on his own and, and, and made that statement, um, you know, because there was a lot of questions when it happened. You know, was he did somebody say, hey, you need to do this or, or this or that? And um you know, so the fact that he went out there and clarified, like, hey, this had, you know, had nothing to do with anybody other than our own decision. And, you know, it is what it is. So, uh, but yeah, kind of like you said, there's there's a lot of layers. And I think this is, uh, I don't think this is quite over just yet. Uh, Urban Meyer's thinking his lucky stars for John Gruden right now, because he's kind of, I know, I know it, the news cycle is kind of week to week anyway. But uh, the fact that this came up, he's kind of able to sneak out the back door and, and uh, isn't catching any more heat. But like I said, I think uh, I think this might be the tip of the iceberg. I know the NFL said they don't plan on releasing any more emails, obviously to protect themselves. But uh, we'll see if anybody else can get their hands on them and, and end up releasing more. The Urban Meyer thing, the whole the thing that I thought was the biggest whatever you could say what he did is at the bar, or whatever. The biggest thing to me was that he didn't ride back on the team plane. No, yeah, that was everyone's biggest thing. Was it? As I thought, people yeah. were just saying like, oh. Yeah, okay, this, but then he just was whatever happened at the bar. I, how can you not ride back on the team plane? I just don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, numerous people are saying they like going back to the beginning of team planes being a thing. There has never been an in instance outside of a coach being fired. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that he doesn't ride back with the team. Yeah. No, I don't. Uh, that was shocking to me uh, there. All right. So let's get to the games this week. Uh, pretty solid, uh, always a solid slate there in the NFL, the Cowboys. What would you say is the marquee game of the weekend? Do you have a marquee game of the weekend? Um, shoot. Yeah, I don't know. It, uh, not off the top of my head looking at the slate right now. 
I know CBS at the beginning of the season thinks it's Cowboys Patriots, but it's not because the Patriots are bad. Probably Ravens um, Chargers. Ravens Chargers. I I don't want to homer it, but Browns Cardinals. Man. That's the Browns huh? Ravens Chargers is a little bit more to me because for sure that that could be uh for the number one seed. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, 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 too. And then if the if the Browns would have won last week, Browns Cardinals probably would have been it. But uh, um, both of those games, I think, are probably the marquee games of the weekend. Yeah. And then Bills Titans, but I don't think the Titans uh, defense is any good, yeah. um, even though the Titans will still uh, make the playoffs there. Um, all right. Do you want to get into the picks? Yeah. All right. So uh, last week I had a good week. I won four and one. Nice. I am 16 and nine on the season. So I'm off to a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty solid start to the NFL so far. So hopefully we can move on my four picks that I, or five picks I have this week. I'm going to take, this is from the uh, super, the super contest. That's what we do. Okay. So last week we said, I couldn't figure it out. What do you think the leader in the super contest is? What do you think their uh, record? It goes by points, but how many, what is their record? Uh, 23 and two, uh, 24 and one is leading the way. And then there is a guy 19, four and two. And then there are two other gentlemen that are 20 and five on the season. Um, so yeah, so not, uh, I have 16, 16 and a half points. Don't have to scroll too far down on that, but, um, yeah, that's where, uh, that's where I'm at, but I don't think I would be in the, uh, in the money on that, but a guy is 24 and one. So Wolfgang is 24 and one. So that's a uh, pretty, pretty uh, good there. All right. So I will, uh, I will go with my selections for the week. I have Dallas minus three and a half against the Patriots. Dallas is five and zero oh against the spread uh, so far this year. The Patriots are not any good. Um, the defense might cause some, maybe Belichick schemes some things up for the defense for the Cowboys, but, uh, to, to throw a wrench in their offense, but uh, I uh, I like Dallas minus three and a half. I am going to take the Detroit Lions plus three against the Bengals. The, the Lions are going to have to win a game sooner or later, uh, so I like Detroit. I also like the Jaguars in London. That is plus three and a half. I am going to take the Baltimore Ravens minus three against the chargers that's an early game i do think the chargers can overcome that love brandon staley brandon staley is uh producing great great quotes in his press conferences um every week and then my last pick i'm taking the chiefs against uh washington minus six and a half all right five picks i uh i did not have a good week last week after going four and one uh week four i went one three and one last week uh, so my record sits at 11, 13 and one for the season. So I don't think I might, I don't think I'd be in the money. It's probably gonna be close if I was in the yeah. contest, but, uh, you know, need to need a couple more good weeks to, to really push myself there. Uh, so I'm also on Dallas minus three and a half against new England. Uh, I'm on Tampa Bay tonight against, uh, Philly lane six and a half. I'm on the chargers plus three against Baltimore. Uh, I like the Cardinals plus three against the Browns and I'm on the bills lane five and a half against the Titans. All right. Um, there are, uh, the, I think the NFL lines get weirder and weirder every week. I when I saw that Cowboys line, I was like, there's no way. Yeah. I there's think no it's way. maybe at like, well, and we should say the Westgate, they freeze their lines on, on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously not going to be what it is. Um, at kickoff, yeah, kickoff, but it's only minus four. Like, I so pretty much what they're saying is it'd be minus seven if the game was in Dallas. I, uh, why is it only? I, I, I'm, I'm confused by that. Like, I don't know, I smelled a rat. I don't get it. No, I uh, 100% agree. Like, okay, so why is Dallas minus four and then the Rams minus nine and a half against the Giants? Well, the Giants aren't going to have Glennon or aren't going to have they're going to have Mike Glennon. No, I thought I saw Daniel Jones just said he's going to play. Oh, is he? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, I know they still won't have Saquon, and I know that a lot of their wide receivers are still banged up, so that probably has a lot to do with it. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. That just feels like a weird. 
that just feels weird. I don't, and I, and look, I'm not thinking the, I don't think the Titans are, are great and what their injury situation is, but like the bills being a bigger and the bills look very, very good right now after their week one loss, but like them being minus six of the Titans, that's, that feels like the, well, I don't understand how the bills are a bigger road favorite than the Cowboys are at the Patriots. Like what, what from the Patriots has impressed people this year? They were down like 22 to three against the Texans came back because the Texans Texans play conservative and can't move the ball at the end of the game. And like what what from the what from the Patriots are people like, yeah, this team is gonna uh uh one point win against or one point loss against the Bucks when it was raining on Sunday? Like what 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 do people see in the Patriots? I don't know. I don't know. I, I it's because there really isn't anything there. I mean they're they aren't any good. So I don't know what no? it is and that's why I'm saying this. When I saw that line, I was shocked. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't get that at all. I don't. I don't understand that one. Um, uh, at all. But uh, all right, those are our picks for the uh, NFL. All right, to college. Again, as we said, a little bit of a light. Uh, this is a go play your afternoon Saturday golf round. This is a light. Uh, a little bit of a light slate. We talked on Monday about some of the chaos and some of the scenarios that are going on. I will say if we, so we saw this when Georgia played uh, Arkansas, I never thought Arkansas was the number eight team or whatever they were in the country. They were at minus 18, 17 and a half. Now we have a number one versus 11 and that line is 23. Always a jarring sight to see, but, uh, what are your uh, what What are your thoughts on this uh, on this slate or where we're at college football wise? When I went through my first uh, gander at picks, I had four on my. On <laughs> so my did I had I had about the same. I was very light, and I was like, "That ain't gonna cut it. That's not gonna be you know. Come on, what fun is that?" So I had to go scroll through back and really scavenge. I came up with eight. But, uh, I mean, there's very few games, again, if any, that, I, you know, there's games that I'll be keeping my eye on, meaning tracking them on my phone, Georgia-Kentucky. I'll keep an eye on that Florida-LSU game just to kind of see how those two shape out. Um, maybe Texas-OU just to see what Texas does against OU, cause, or excuse me, Oklahoma State. Because uh, Oklahoma State's yeah. defense is actually very, very good. Um, and, uh, you know, see if they can keep the clean slate. But outside of those three games – nothing really tickles my fancy yeah i had like four or five and then i've i've added i got up to 10 um this morning and i took a i took one out or two out there's one i'm debating on taking out but it's always the ones you take out that uh that are winners that are winners like last week i substituted the unt over missouri over which was a winner for the bama first half and that was a loser um, so we'll have to figure out what we're, uh, what we are going to do on that. But, uh, I, I, yeah, no, Texas, Oklahoma state. I think that's an interesting game, especially how Texas, uh, bounces back after that, uh, crushing, crushing loss against OU and what the, uh, what they're like against another good, uh, another solid, I would say defensive team. I also do think the big 10, the big 10 East is shaping up to be, a pretty solid, uh, a pretty solid race. And like Michigan state's always like small favorites on the road at Indiana, like feels like traps, but they should take care of them. Um, that's going to be a good, uh, a good race over there. Um, on the big 10 East as we, uh, head, head towards, uh, November. Cause they all, uh, they all play each other in the final week of the regular season is Ohio state, Michigan, and then Penn state plays Michigan state. So lots of good, uh, Good stuff over there. All right, let's get in the card here. What's what was your record last week? What's the what's the what's the status for the year? I went eight and three last week, so I'm sitting at forty two and twenty for the season. You're having a good season. Yep, so far so good. All right, yeah. lead us. Be, oh yeah. Yes. All right, go so I got. I'm gonna go Clemson, Syracuse over forty five. A uh, lot of total, actually, just yeah, half totals, half uh, game. So we'll. Uh, like, like I said, we really had to scrounge up and scratch the bottom of the barrel for uh, for some of these games. So Clemson-Syracuse over 45. I got the San Diego State-San Jose State over 41. 
I like Michigan State laying four and a half against Indiana. I've thought about taking them the last like two weeks and I haven't. And they've won every single time. And uh, I think they've covered every single time as well. So we're going to go ahead and pull the trigger on them this week. I uh, like the Georgia Kentucky over 44 and a half. I think Georgia does the majority of the heavy lifting here. Going back to the well, I think I'm 2 and 0 oh betting these guys uh, so far this season. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and take UTEP. Well, I'm actually 4 and 0 oh betting them. Whew, really pounding the UTEP drum. Uh, UTEP plus six and a half against Louisiana Tech, uh, six and a half dog at home, and they're five and one this season. They're actually playing pretty well down there in uh, Old El Paso. Uh, like UCLA plus one and a half against Washington. I'm gonna take the OU TCU over 65 and a half. That's a principal game and a fun over. Uh, and then I'm gonna take Ole Miss to lay the two and a half and cover against Tennessee. Okay, I've got uh, I've got a lot of dogs on the slate. One favorite. I like Navy tonight against Memphis. Memphis, ever since the uh, debacle against Mississippi State, hasn't won a game, hasn't covered. And Navy, after the first week of the uh, first three games of the season, they've covered three in a row and have looked uh, looked pretty good at that upset win against UCF and fought hard against Houston and uh, SMU. So they're on a three-game uh, cover again. And then a short week. Memphis has a short week um, to prepare for the triple option. So give me the 10 and a half tonight. Every Missouri game has gone over so far this season. I'm taking over 59 and a half against AM. Missouri's rush defense is horrible. So I hope, so I think Spiller's going to have a big day. I did think about taking Mizzou plus the nine and a half. Like that's a lot of points for AM to be laying on the road, but Mizzou is 0 and 6 against the spread this year. So we uh, opted against that. I'm, I like Cincinnati minus 21 against UCF. That is the only favorite on the board for me. I'm taking the over 66 and plus seven for Kent State and Western Michigan. When I went to the numbers on the Kent State overs, they do have a very nice uh, offense, high-powered offense. The overs for Kent's one and five this year, and Western Michigan is two and four. Both of both of these teams went the over last week, but I think you have to look at the uh, at the MAC opponents and. Um, both are one and one when they're in conference on the overs. And I think this, uh, this game is uh, headed for lots of points in like 10 plus seven. I'm going to take Mississippi state plus 17 and a half against Bama. I don't think anybody should be really surprised about that. I'm going to take Tennessee plus two and a half against Ole Miss. How about that total at 82 and a half? Yeah, I saw that. I thought about taking the under. I was like, no, that's no fun. It's no fun, but it's probably, you got to think it's going to hit. If anything, throw that in a teaser and get it down to like 76 or if you do a 10, 10 point or get it down to 70. I'm going to take uh, I said I'm done taking Washington games, but uh, UCLA plus two is such a rat that I'm going to take it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm going to take that. And then the last one, I'm going to take the Texas Tech, Kansas over 67. That's just ugly. Uh, ugly Kansas games are four and one going over Texas tech. They're three and two, but uh, I mean, Texas, Texas given up tons and tons of points. So I'm going to take the over that. So that is my card last week. I went uh, four and four. So I'm 35, 31 and one last week was a, Hey, we get off to a good start. We go, th- we go uh, f- four and oh, and then lose the last four. Uh, on the board, I did think about taking Syracuse plus 14, but uh, Clemson coming off a of bye week that once that scared me. That was like the game that I had at the beginning. All right, I like this. Um, but that uh, that one Clemson off the bye, I'm a little worried about that. That's why I laid off of uh, um, the orange men. Which orange men? Syracuse. Get it because they're both orange. Huh? Because they're both orange. Well, the Clemson are t- the Tigers. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, if we're just going strictly based off the orange men. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't really <laughs> confuse, but whatever. Um, all, all right. We uh, to baseball. I don't know if I've seen this tweeted, but uh, are we calling this the American League Cheater Series? You know, I, I don't hate that. The American League scumbag series, maybe. I well, you got to keep either. with the ALCS. That that that. No, no, I get that part, but I'd like scumbags yes. better. Well, uh, 
I'm trying the, to. I'm going on the acronym there, ALCS. <laughs> That's fair. The American um, League uh, Chump Series. The American League. Uh, yeah, something. I like cheaters. Yeah. Yes, the American League Cheater Series as the Red Sox and the Astros, the two teams that have been punished for um, their sign stealings. Uh, one team. May, you know what? Maybe, you know why the Yankees, I was thinking about this, maybe the Yankees are struggling because they fought so hard in the court to cover, to keep those documents unsealed on their whole cheating fiasco. Maybe if they just got it out to the world, and let it let the world see what they were doing they would be set free and they might have some success you know it's i you know what uh, i could agree with that when there's nothing to be set free from how are you supposed to be set free you know what i mean they're 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 just they sink because aaron boone sinks and brian cashman has lost his mind so uh well aaron boone might be coming back so you're gonna yeah, have to deal with like that. i said they've lost their mind over there <laughs> in New York. um all right but i am i i did i did tweet this i am surprised i'm not surprised that the red sox or john henry did this i am surprised there was no like stipulation or i'm really shocked the astros didn't even do what the red sox did of hey you know what our manager was in the Astros cheating scandal. Look, Carlos Beltran got fired. He didn't even get to, he hasn't got another managerial job. Who knows if he'll ever get one. He got the ax. Alex Cora comes back and after one year off, in mind it, a shortened season too, a 60-game season, comes back and the Red Sox just rehire him. Why did they ever fire him to begin with? They should have just said he's suspended for the year. He's going to be our manager after that. I'm really surprised that the Astros uh, didn't do the same thing of, hey, Hinch, we're not firing him. He's suspended for a year, and he's going to come back and be our manager. Maybe the trust issues were gone on that, or maybe Hinch just was like, okay, you know what? I got thrown under the bus. They didn't have my back here, blah, blah, blah. But I'm surprised the Astros didn't take this the page out of the book that the uh, Red Sox did. Well, you look at it, <clears throat> take the Astros – and uh, they're right back in the ALCS last year without Hinch. You look at the Red Sox, and they stunk. And you bring back Cora, and they're back in the American League Championship Series. And same with the Astros. They're right back in it. So I think they are uh, different because the – I think the manager made a big difference on on the teams. I think A.J. Hinch, I don't know how much of a difference he really made. Uh, coaching uh, the Astros. I think Dusty Baker was the perfect guy to set in there because he's not going to do too much. He's not going to Tony La Russa this and try to be, you know, the boss man and, and run things. He's going to let the players play and let the good players do what they do. And that's win baseball games. And Alex Cora, he was more of a leader. You know, the Red Sox are a younger team. They don't have a huge veteran presence. I think, you know, one of the biggest veteran presence they have is Xander Bogarts, who's been there since 2013. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, a younger team kind of needs that 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 leadership role in a manager, and they get that back. And like I said, they're right back in it. So I think that's kind of why is because they, uh, although the although situations were very similar, I think the subjects of the situation were not. Well, I think AJ Hinch played a huge part in the role of getting the Astros to that level. The Astros have been to five straight Champions League championship series too. They've been in the NL the, or the ALCS for five years in a row. That is a damn good accomplishment there. Like, who was the last team to do that uh, before the Astros? Like, that is an impressive, impressive feat. That this is their fifth consecutive year in the championship series. Um, so, yeah, no, it is, it is a different um, situation. But still, you could, you could have said, you know what? And even at the time, no one liked, no one liked the Dusty Baker hire. Yeah. No, everyone's like, oh, why are they hiring? Dusty Baker, he's just going to mess it up or whatever. Um, but uh, I guess that's it. The last time I think it happened was when the Reds, the Yankees made it to four straight in 99, 98, 99, 2000, and 2001. That's four in a row. That's the last time I could see a team's made. Um, excuse the Braves, me. A team's the, Braves, made the Braves did it five times in the 90s. Okay, yeah, no, but I, yeah, so, I mean, but this is an impressive uh, accomplishment there, um, as whatever they got going on. Um, I mean, this is just the, this is a who do you root, who do you hate less for? Who, who, who do you hate less? Yeah, you just root, this is the root for the stadium to explode and everyone's okay. 
Yeah, I've said that multiple times. This is uh, this is this is uh, this is it. I I I do think though. I think the most fascinating storyline left would be an Astros Dodgers rematch in the World Series. Yeah. So that's why I think I'm pulling for the Astros. If if and I mean if when I mean pulling for, I mean like literally 0.01 percent. When I say I I hope the Astros would like it's. It's a very, very low, low number. I, I would have to think, I, I think I would like to see the Astros Dodgers world series. Cause in that, that could be, uh, the Astros fans would think that would be an all time settler of look what's going on. I, you, you're still cheating. I'm not going to be convinced of that. They're still very, very good players, but, uh, I think Dodgers Astros is the best world series we can get. Yeah, considering the two teams left, I, I still I want to see the Giants win it. Uh, I'd like to see them win it also uh, because I just I don't know the way they're doing it. They really don't have like a dude out there. They just have a bunch of dudes getting after it. And uh, the the Chris Bryant trade has shown off to be pretty good for them. Brandon Crawford is probably one of my favorite shortstops to watch. So I like to see the Giants win it all. Uh, but uh, you know. If the Dodgers, if it ends up being Dodgers Astros, obviously root for the Dodgers to go back to back. From a storyline standpoint, I should say Dodgers Astros would be yeah. would be like the, a gift, yeah, um, for baseball. But no, I, uh, um, the Dod the, or what the Giants, excuse me, are doing is is again, I totally agree, is unbelievable. And tonight is Game Five. Really do not know what's going to happen in that. Logan Webb was fantastic in game one. Is he going to be able to do it again? And then the Dodgers, they, the Dodgers do have a bunch of injuries, at least to the pitching staff. And they're able to still win it. Like they have Kershaw's out. Bauer's not an injury, but he's just been out and they've been able to, uh, they, um, they're still been able to overcome that. Yeah. Dustin Um, May, a guy that they were going to lean heavy. Yes. He went out back in April or May. Yeah, no, so they're losing a ton of guys, and it does help when you can go trade for Scherzer and everything, but, uh, but man, they are just, they are just chucking along there. And, and, and the MVP in 2019 just literally was horrible during the regular season. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, going on there. And then the Braves, they finally won a postseason series. What a shock. Without their best player. Yes. It's funny how that happens in uh in baseball all right do you have anything else here before we wrap up i think that's it i think we we covered all our bases there okay um i know oh, there's one thing i i, I know you're probably not going to be uh interested in this but it's a, it's a soccer story so uh newcastle has been a team owned by mike ashley you probably would compare him to dan snyder when it comes to uh like ownership not spending a lot of money all that blah 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 um so they he has been he his team has been sold. He sold his team, and he sold them to the uh, Saudi Arabian government. So pretty much the Saudis now own Newcastle United, and they have a they have a net worth of like three hundred and twenty five billion dollars. And the next richest club is Man City that has thirty two billion. So what was that? Ten times whatever they're worth. And it is causing mass hysteria around every other team that is um, every other team that is not uh, Newcastle. So pretty much the equivalent would be if Jeff Bezos bought the Tampa Bay Rays, because it's it, there's no equivalent to the NFL because there's a cap NBA, NHL. So whoever like the, Jeff Bezos buying the Tampa Bay Rays, this would be the equivalent I would think of this. Of just saying, hey, we haven't spent any money, or throw the Indians in there, or whatever. They haven't spent any money, and now oh, we yeah. got the richest people in the world owning us. They have got more net worth than anybody. It is, uh, it is quite funny to see the Newcastle fans' reaction, which they were like having parties and flares all across the outside the stadium, and then everybody else saying, "Oh my God, this could be horrible uh, for." football but it is uh quite funny to watch from the outside so the government owns the team well the the f it's called the f um 
the FIP, I think. Um, let me let me pull up the uh, let mm. me pull up the uh, story here. It's uh, there's there's multiple people, like there's multiple shares in this, but the main one. So it's okay. The owner is the Public Investment Fund. That's eighty. That's eighty percent. So the Public Investment Fund is the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund. Eighty percent owns that. RB Sports and Media owns ten percent, and then PCP Capital Partners are uh, own ten percent of that. So they're the eighty percent, and so this goes back to the uh, Saudis. So, um, so yeah, they are uh, they are the owners, and then it also says that they're they're eyeing to buy three more clubs. One of them, including uh, Inter Milan. But so yeah, the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia is uh, owning is the majority owner in Newcastle, and I think the front facing is a is a woman. She's like the figurehead. She is uh, she's like a partner at PCP Capital, and she's like doing all the media and stuff. So they're probably not looking at John Gruden to come in and help run things. No, they're not. John Gruden will not be doing a Ted Lasso. Too bad. <laughs> It is uh, it is too bad, but that's a big story going on. And then all the Newcastle fans are thinking that they're going to get Mbappe and everything like this and that. So it's like, who? they're just going to give all the money. So it's very uh, pretty funny um, out there. But all right, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back Monday. Hey, we'll talk NBA. Season gets underway next Tuesday. Maybe we come in with some NBA team totals. Uh, haven't done that in a while. So uh, all right, we'll take a look at that. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you next week.